This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Morning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now, and you can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Lauren Edmondson is the author of A Wedding of the Season, a novel. 
Lauren has a BA from Williams College and an MFA in fiction from Sarah Lawrence College. She lives in Northern Virginia with her husband and two children. Ladies of the House was her first novel and is now followed by Wedding of the Season. And actually, Lauren is going to be doing an event with all of our with several of our Zivi Books authors at the Ocean House in Watch Hill, Rhode Island, this August 23rd. So save the date. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books this time for Wedding of the Season. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be back and it's so good to see you. You too. This is like another ad for the Ocean House though, I have to say. (laughs) Right. Which I love and is one of like my favorite places. So beautiful. And I love the way you write about it in in the book. I hope you're having an event there for the launch or something. Are you? I hope so too. And we were supposed to, you and I were supposed to get together at Ocean House along with lots of other authors before pandemic derailed those plans. Yeah. I hope that one day we can reschedule a retreat there because I was so looking forward to it. I'm doing two other retreats and I'm like, I know I have to go back. There were so many logistics involved. (laughs) I'll do it differently this time and just make it a little easier on myself versus like managing people's, you know, food preferences and roommate requests. And I was like a travel agent for a month. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, you don't need to take that on personally. Okay, great, great. Okay, tell listeners about Wedding of the Season. Wedding of the Season is set in Newport, Rhode Island. It's about the descendants of a great, uh, formerly great Gilded Age family who have fallen from grace, fallen from riches. And the middle daughter comes home after a long time away and after having sort of written her family and her hometown off. Uh, She comes back to Newport to help her older sister get married, basically. But the twist is that her older sister is marrying the son of the family that now owns the great uh, mansion that had once been theirs, the land. And it's a story about a homecoming, about families with adult children dealing with aging parents. It's as my previous books were sort of about society and the clash between old money and new, but it's also, I hope, really fun and full of giggles and friendship and sisterhood and beautiful scenery. So I really hope that people enjoy it. I really enjoyed writing it. People are totally going to enjoy it. It's really fun. This is the perfect wedding season gift and the characters, of course. I mean, I feel like you kind of are writing about old and new money in this book just by writing about Newport, or maybe it's only old. Yes. No, new money too. (laughs) You had a paragraph in the beginning to this little scene. So let me just read this. Okay. Jack easily (laughs) steered conversation into banal territory. Ambassador and Mrs. Frederick Stearns just back from a cruise to Antarctica. Too damn cold. Too many penguins. Bunny Mills. I designed garden benches. Susie. Susie can show you the lookbook. Dr. Jennifer Cohen. When was the last time you saw a dentist? Her practice was in Middletown, although she only worked on Mondays now. That's the day the golf course is closed. Now, remind us what you do. As I explained what I did outside of Rhode Island, I was shortly reminded of this fact. When those who haven't left the closed loop of Newport, New York, Palm Beach are in the company of one who has, they find themselves earnestly inspecting the curiosity before them, as one might an indecipherable gallery installation. I was an oddity, past, present, and future. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that captures how our main character, Cass, feels. Although she is a... Like I said, you know, she's a great, great 
great granddaughter of one of these old money American royalty families, those days of yacht clubs and jet setting to Palm Beach and horses and stables and diamonds, those days are over for her. So she's had to work, you know, and and really find her own way in the world. And so coming back into Newport is still sort of like being dropped through the looking glass. She has to sort of readjust to the way rich people move about the world and also react to her as somebody who is really straddling these two spheres of society. Interesting. And it's like so fitting that you have her be a photographer, right? With this old school camera. It's like injury prone camera or whatever. (laughs) So that she can be the observer sort of of the whole scene. Um, And it is amazing. I mean, there are pockets of society still i mean these places still exist like this <laughs> like they're yeah. not just in newport but i'm trying to think of other like little communities like this around scattered about that really are frozen in time like you said i mean it's i don't know how but it it happens yeah yeah and you know cast notices it later in the book but it's deliberately sealed you know mm-hmm. it's 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 by choice and by design they mm-hmm. that they seal themselves off from the rest of the world. You know, I think a lot about uh, Sea Island, Georgia. Have you mm-hmm. ever been there? No, but my husband used to teach tennis there. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I want to talk to you more about that later. But when we first went to Sea Island, I guess it's a privately owned island. And I commented to my husband that there's no signs anywhere. Mm. You know, there's no big sign that says Sea Island this way. You know, the different parts of the island where they have, you know, hotel, beach club, uh, lodge, golf course. The signs are like five centimeters high and like embossed in metal. So you can't really see them. It's designed for people who already know where they're going Mm, and mm -hmm. it's not designed for newcomers. And this is a deliberate, you know, design choice. And I just find that so fascinating, the kind of calculation that goes into keeping a place like, like Newport or certain parts of Newport, I should say, remote, Mm. even though it's part of a bigger community. There are just parts, like you said, parts of the world that that like to keep themselves hermetically sealed. Yeah. And I feel like there are still many clubs that have not revised the rules. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the rules do not apply yeah. somehow. So Cass, she reunites with people from her past uh, yeah. right away and dot, 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 all things ensue <laughs> by showing us, taking her following her through this whole season, if you will. And um, I love the Instagram, the constant Instagram posts as a little... Of course, yeah. The gossip, the Newport gossip. The Newport gossip, yes, (laughs) which is awesome. So when you were envisioning writing the book and you thought of Cass as the character, what were you trying to... Like, what were you super excited to get across with her view of of this world? That's such a good question. I put her as the middle child Mm -hmm. because she had this vibe for me of always feeling kind of sandwiched. She has a very talented, beautiful older sister who's a ballerina. She has a 
charming, dashing younger brother who is everybody's absolute favorite. And she's sort of plunked there in the middle. And this echoes how she feels about her place within Newport, where she's, like I said before, you know, she's kind of trapped in this really nebulous place between being in and being out. You know, she's not completely in because, of course, she doesn't have the money. And, you know, her mother is kind of kooky in a really lovely way. But she she's not completely out because she has the name. She has a really famous name that everybody knows. You know, the, the inspiration was sort of Vanderbilt-esque in that way, where you really can't escape your last name, even though she sort of tries to. So I really thought that would be an interesting place for her to be as this wedding of the season looms large, this big society wedding, you know, because her sister is, as a a ballerina, pretty famous within the sort of elite circles of society. And she's marrying a very uh, new money rich guy. So it has all of those trappings of, of wealth. And the wedding takes place at the land, this grand mansion set on the cliffs of Newport. And weddings have a way of bringing out our best and our worst, especially within families. And the added stress of a wedding that is planned basically in three months, you have this compression of time, compression of issues, and uh, compression of place. So Cass really has to figure out in in a short space of time with all these external pressures where she is and where she can hold space for herself, where she can function happily in this middle ground. So that's kind of where I plopped her. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about the writing process of this book, especially after last book and like the differences. Do you feel like it's getting much easier? And, you know, where do you see all this going? You know, I was thinking about this today because I feel like we it was almost exactly two years ago where we first chatted. Oh my gosh, was it that long? I felt like it was so recent, but okay. (laughs) Because I was, Ladies of the House was just about to come out and I was two months postpartum with Shepard. And I remember you asking me, like, oh, what are you working on now? And, you know, I said this book about Newport, but I confess to you that I really hadn't been writing very much because of my, you know, my son being a newborn. And uh, you said, that's okay. You know, you've just grown a human. I think you can take some time. And I don't know if you noticed this, but I actually borrowed that kind of concept because in, well, I don't want to ruin it, but Pass says something similar to a character in the book. And I was thinking about you as I was writing that because it's like, Yeah, I was. I was growing a human and recovering from growing a human. But soon after we talked, sort of two years ago, I really, I really got back to the page and it was not easier in so many words. I think because my son was basically home with me, you know, as a very young baby. Thankfully, I had, I had help. I had a wonderful babysitter who came a couple hours a week to help me. I had my housekeeper come um, every other week to help me keep the house clean. I have a very supportive husband and extended family and friend group. So I was not without help, but it was very 
challenging nonetheless to be that exhausted from caregiving and then to oftentimes at the end of the day when the kids were in bed to sit down and turn to the creative part of my brain when all I wanted to do was watch Sister Wives on TLC. You know, it was it was difficult. <laughs> Yes. I I found myself sort of like dragging myself a lot to my computer or I would be really excited to write during the day when I felt really good and what I would often do was write during Shepherd my son's nap times and if he skipped a nap or if he wasn't settling as quickly as I wanted him to I would get so anxious about like oh this is my writing time why can't you go to sleep <laughs> So it was challenging logistically, you know, to find the hours and the space, but it ended up actually really later on into the process, it it really ended up doing a lot for me emotionally because I, about a year after my son was born, I was really struggling with postpartum anxiety. And this was too at a place like where we were going on what year two of the pandemic, it was the time where I can't remember what variant it was, but like everybody was getting it. And it was winter time, you know, it was depths of January. And I felt so cold and so like hopeless, almost the feeling like we're never going to get out of this. My kids are never going to be able to, have a normal childhood. And the work was also just very challenging. There was just a lot. My editor was doing a lot for me to, to get the plot into place. And I really felt like I'm letting her down because I'm not, I'm not getting the book where it needs to be. And so I really started spiraling into this sad place of anxiety But what brought me out was two things. Of course, the first being Lexapro, thank goodness. And then the second being this family, the Coventry Guilfords and Newport and this page, because they are, for me, so wonderful. They're a family that I really enjoyed spending time with. I really enjoyed writing them. I loved having them all together in a room. And the way you know, that I write my books is toward an ending where families are together and they are happy with each other, you know, and they do come together in a unified, loving way. So writing toward that ending for them, for for these characters that I just grew to love in this place in Newport, which I've also grown to just adore, um, really brought me out of that dark time. So, yeah, the third book that I'm working on, I I am hoping it's not going to be so, you know, logistically and emotionally challenging, but if the second book is any indication, I'll have my work cut out for me. Lauren, I honestly don't even know. I mean, that sounds stupid. I don't know how you did it, but I mean, the access to creativity and mental energy you need to write fiction yeah. is like so diametrically opposed to like it, it uses the same store of energy that you need to raise babies and all of that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the same. Yeah. It's not like there's an ever flowing 
Like I'm envisioning this fountain. I can't talk because I've gotten no sleep, but you know, like yeah. you used it all for one thing and then you like dip in the well, yes. it's empty. And I don't know. I mean, I'm so yes. sorry. I feel like I still have postpartum anxiety. It's my kids were like 15 and a half, but <laughs> you know, it's uh that was a hard time of life for literally everyone on the planet. And then the little kids in the book, I mean, it's so much, it's just so much. And you did a good job. It's not even, it's like a really good book. Do you know what I mean? Like you didn't like just crank out some terrible book, which you could have, but you did it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I'm. Thank you so much for saying that. Cause it really felt though I was tipping uh, off the precipice into like, am I just going to have to phone this in? You know, like kind of, I remember tearfully calling my wonderful agent, Sarah Fair and being like, I do not know if I can do this. And in her, you know, in her infinite wisdom, she was like, we will do this together. I will physically drag you across the finish line if I have to, you know, she was like, I will carry you on my back. And so I had help and I had support both physical and emotional. And certainly I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to pull this together without them. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Did, did you consider pushing back the release date or anything? We, I, Sarah and I had sort of a mention of it, you know, she was like, cause I just felt in, in my anxiety spiral, I just felt like, and we're going to have to change the publication date and it's going to ruin everything. And you know how those, those little knots of thought just get stuck and you're, you're tugging and it just makes them tighter Mm -hmm. because I just thought that would be the greatest, you know, failure of, of my life. And she just reminded me again in her very calm way that publication dates get changed all the time. So it, it would not be the disaster that I envisioned it would be, but we didn't end up having to change the pub date. We worked on it really hard. My editor and I worked on it really hard and it did come together fairly quickly. You know, once we had gotten the major lumps out, it was like, 
oh, okay, now we're going into sentences and starting to edit sentence by sentence. Mm -hmm. So, and that was different than my previous book where it was really, Ladies of the House was really sort of a gradual combing of knotted hair where you just keep running the comb through and it gets kind of smoother and smoother. This was just a mess for so long until it wasn't. So we were, we were fortunate in that way. Wow. Novel writing as hairstyling. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, it's great. It's like a perfect analogy. So awesome. Um, Well, hats off to you because I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, I'm impressed when anybody pulls off writing a novel and it's hard. Well done. Well, you've written, I mean, you've written two books. I feel like no, it's different. I'm trying to write a novel now. I mean, I'm not trying. I am, but it is so hard. I mean, it's hard. It's, I, I don't know. Maybe it's easier for people who are actually like, this is what they want to, I don't know. I, it's hard for me. It's hard. Find it, do you find it more difficult than writing your memoir? Yeah. Like real. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like to get in the mental space where I can do it is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Like there's too much going on. I can't do it. Like other kinds of writing, not to talk about me, like other kinds of writing I can do in between like a podcast and a meeting downstairs and this and that. I could like write an yeah. essay for an hour and boom, it's done. But I, I don't know. I feel like fiction, I need like the day. I need like hours yes. because maybe I'll sit there, but then maybe something will come to me and then I really want to do it. But then it's like time for dinner or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's not, I can't plan it as much, which frustrates me. Yeah. No, you do. You spend a lot of time staring off into space, thinking. And then when something comes to you, you don't necessarily have that access because you are in the middle of dinner. And right. Yes. Yeah. I, I see that. I see that. For me, I would, I feel as though it would be the opposite where memoir would be in, very hard for me because I would feel like I don't have, I don't have anything to like, say about me. You know, I, I feel like, okay, so this thing happened. How am I going to get it to a place where it's interesting to anybody else besides my mother? And that would, that would trip me up, I think a lot. Um, and I would spend a lot more time staring off into space than I do for novel writing, but you write, you, your memoir is so beautiful and so accessible and so, so true. Um, that, yeah, it's just, it's remarkable that you have been able to do all that oh, you do. Oh, well, let's just compliment each other for okay. the next hour or two. <laughs> we'll just like lift each other up and, <laughs> uh, are you finding any time to read? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading a lot. I'm reading in uh, sort of anticipation of my next project um that I hope to be working on soon which takes place in the Hamptons amazing which is another pocket of contradictions and uh simmering social tensions that I'm really looking forward to exploring uh so I'm reading some stuff about the Hamptons and I'm also reading a book that my agent recommended to me that I have never read and it's one of those books where I'm like oh my gosh, why haven't I read this before? Like, I feel sad as I'm reading it that it's just coming into my life now. What is it? It's James Salter's Light Years. I haven't read it. It's a rather slim novel uh, that was written probably in the 
70s. It follows a couple through a few decades of their marriage. And it's so beautifully and tightly written. Every sentence is a revelation, but it's also so keenly observed. You know, the way he zooms into not just conversations on a random Wednesday night, but snippets of conversation that illuminate the beauty and the absolute mundaneness of marriage and family and raising children and what we're doing when we say we're raising children, what are we actually doing? I just, I'm so in love with it. I don't want it to end. It's that kind of book. Oh my gosh. Well, that was a great recommendation. (laughs) Do you have anything fun coming up? Not, not writing related? Good question. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of places to to go. I like to have stuff on my calendar to look forward to, especially in January when it's so cold and the holidays are over and my house is not decorated anymore. And I like to have stuff on the calendar. So we're planning a few trips, like thinking about, you know, my kids' spring break and stuff with family this summer and uh, my husband and I would really like to travel just by ourselves this fall. So just finding different places to go. Christopher and I would really like to go to Scotland. Oh, that's okay. always that's been on my bucket list. Have you been there? I've never been there. Neither have I. So um, we're trying to make that happen. But of course, it's all about, as you know, it's all about childcare. You know, yeah. what are we going to do with these? What are we going to do with these kids while we're gallivanting around? This is the this is the one perk of divorce. You know, built in. <laughs> yeah babysitting essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The silver lining. The silver lining. Yeah. Anyway, this is so fun. I love chatting with you. I, uh, I'm so excited for your book. It was great. I love the characters and the setting and I just like the escapism of it. Just like I would like to be sitting on the porch of the open house with the croquet sticks and wandering around the land and all of that good stuff. So Newport is such a fun, beautiful, remarkable place. And I feel as though it's not as hyped as it should be. You know, Mm. we hear Charleston and, you know, New Orleans, we hear these sort of places where everybody is going and we don't, or at least, you know, I haven't historically heard like let's take a girls weekend to Newport. Like let's take a romantic getaway to Newport. And one of these days, the secret is going to get out and it's going to be overrun by bachelorette parties. I know Newporters are already like, no more bachelorettes, no more hotels, because uh, it is just so cool. The food scene is great. The, The bar scene, nightlife, arts, and the hotels, you know, all the way from like Ocean House and Westerly up to Castle Hill Inn and in the edge of Newport. It's so great. It's such a great place just to go for, especially if you're on the East Coast just for the a weekend. It's also really child-friendly. It's really kid-friendly. So I really recommend it. They should put you on like the council of travel relations. The travel and council. You know, yeah, hospitality. What even is that called? Yeah, like travel bureau, yes. travel bureau or something. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Anyway. All right, Lauren, thank you. Okay. Wedding of the season. Very exciting. Thank Congratulations. You. All right. Thank you so much. It's so good to see ya. you. You too. Okay. Okay. Bye, Bye. Zoe. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.